0: Thank you, Steve, um, for the opportunity to have this uh, evening on the topic of depression. Um, I think it's an important topic, I would say that, um, obviously it's what I do for a living, um, but I also think it's a topic that's often misunderstood uh, in society in general, and not least in the church and amongst church folk as well. Um, so I think it is really useful that, that, that we have this time to consider the issue together. Um, that being said, I am up here with a, some trepidation, um, partly because it is an issue that, in an area that is um, complex, um, sensitive, and, and difficult in, in some ways to, to address, um, but mainly because I'd rather be sitting down there uh, rather than up here. Um, so I uh, appreciate your understanding. Um, first of all, who am I? Um, for those of you who don't know me, um, as Steve said, my name is Richard Anderson. Um, I work as a psychiatrist. That's my professional background, which means that I did medical training and then specialised in that branch of medicine, which is uh, psychiatry. Um, and I work in a community mental health team. Um, I'm the doctor in the team. Um, obviously, I'm also a Christian, a member of Fitzroy, um, although my own uh, spiritual background is from a different Denomination, uh, but we'll not, we'll not get into that. Um, so that, that, that's who I am, and that's, that's obviously why uh, I've been asked to, to uh, lead the, the talk tonight on this, this important, as I said, and complex and multifaceted uh, topic of depression. Uh, Churchill, as Steve indicated, referred to it as his black dog. Um, it's a well-known moniker that uh, many people are aware of, but uh, it just is an example of of how people have used uh, in many different places and in many different times different ways of trying to describe this uh, experience that they have uh, suffered, that they have dealt with, sometimes in silence, sometimes openly, sometimes publicly, because it is a difficult thing to understand and to describe. I'm conscious that some of you here tonight, uh, according to the, the statistics, inevitably there will be some of you here tonight who have personal experience of of this uh, thing that we're talking about, of depression. Many of you, however, will not. um, And I think one of the things we want to do at at an early stage is to to try to unpack what we mean by depression. Uh, The celebrated novelist, William Styron. Don't you love it when people say somebody's celebrated? I'd never heard of him. Uh, Apparently he's written some some great books. Uh, But William Styron, a novelist, Um, described depression which he experienced himself later in life as as despair beyond despair. He also uh, said that the pain of severe depression is quite unimaginable to those who have not suffered it. So clearly we have a bit of work to do to, to understand what it is. He went on to say that depression is a word that has slithered through the language like a slug, leaving little trace of its intrinsic malevolence and preventing by its very insipidity a general awareness of the horrible intensity of the disease when out of control. Another quote, as you can see there, is from uh, Lewis Walpert. Lewis Walpert is uh, the professor emeritus professor of biology at UCL in London, and he has spoken very openly about his own experiences of, of depression, which he has termed malignant sadness. He's written a, an interesting book on that very same topic. So some of the things that I think we should try and think about tonight in the time that we have available. Uh, What is the difference between depression and normal sadness? Why do Christians experience these problems? Why are we often reluctant, especially maybe in the church, to talk about this subject? What causes depression is taking medication for depression okay. For a lot of people and for maybe some of you here tonight, that will be one of the key questions that you're asking and how do you help someone who's experiencing depression so I'm I'm hopeful that tonight we'll we'll have an opportunity to maybe have a little more of a a reflective section in the first half of of this talk and then maybe more of a practical focus in the second half um, which will deal around the issues of how do you help somebody practically who's experiencing depression because as I've said there will be people in this church who are uh, dealing with that and struggling with that at this moment in time there's so many other questions we could ask that we would be here for a very long time, but we'll have to restrict ourselves to, to just some. So what do we mean, first of all, by depression? It's a word that is used really very broadly, very generally, um, very easily. Um, it can mean to some people everyday sadness, uh, just feeling blue. Um, what I want to, to focus on tonight is, is not that kind of depression, but the more severe uh, what you might call clinical or major depression, which is, uh, I would argue, a, a severe illness like other illnesses. It's, uh, As I said, it's something that's extremely hard to understand if, if you haven't lived through it yourself. But if you bear with me, I want to, to just help you to, to, to use your imaginations to, to listen to what I'm going to read now, which is what it might feel like to experience A major or a clinical depression, to try and get ourselves into that position of understanding what it feels like. Lately, you have been overtaken by a terrible and unfamiliar assailant, a relentless emptiness in your being which you cannot explain. Where previously you would have found pleasure in things, there is no joy. You have no interest either in your food. or other things and would probably hardly eat at all if someone did not set a meal before you. A dis-ease, a restlessness of mind and body is your constant state. Concentrating on anything is nigh impossible. You find no rest either at night because sleep is hard to find. And when it finally comes, it is fragmented And unrefreshing. You feel an insufferable burden to those who love you and begin to think they would be better off without you. What is going on? Where is God? You see no prospect of respite, only a horizon of unremitting bleakness. Worst of all, you feel you cannot tell anyone, even those close to you, how you feel. You feel so ashamed of this thing you are fighting. To some of us, happily, that description or that meditation is, is not something that we have experience of but I hope it gives some indication of, of just how pervasive and serious it can be because depression does exist on a spectrum from what could be termed very mild to moderate depression to the more severe kinds of depression that I'm talking about which can include uh, people who feel suicidal, who uh, have such severe depression that they need to be um, in hospital, for example. Normal moods are also very variable, and we will all have experience of that. And then there is, of course, that part of the mood spectrum, which we're not talking about tonight, but which is um, high mood, elevated mood, that part of of, uh, depression, which is sometimes called mania, that part of manic depression, which is sometimes called mania. We're going to be focusing on on clinical depression. It is a common problem. It's hard to get exact figures, but um, up to 10% of people in the community, uh, even in this country, could be suffering from some form of clinical depression at any one time. Women are more likely to suffer than men. Um, It's not entirely clear why that is, but they do have an approximately twice the rate of depression relative to men. That may be because men are less likely to report feeling depressed, less likely to seek seek help. It can occur at any age. It's no respecter of where you live in the world. All cultures and all societies seem to have uh, experiences consistent with this. Interestingly, though, in some countries, uh, the way it presents is different, and it may present with more physical symptoms. Unfortunately, it is also still associated with significant stigma, both within and without the church. It's only very recently that uh, it's been possible to be open about mental illness as a member of parliament. Up until very recently, there was effectively a bar to being an MP if you had a mental illness. Um, And that's just this year being rescinded. And a lot of MPs were, were talking very openly about their own experiences. But that gives you an example of how serious the stigma is and has been. And within the church as well, there's still unfortunately a lot of stigma about, about uh, depression you've heard things people have said such as Christians shouldn't feel like that Christians shouldn't uh, have those kinds of emotions you are uh, a child of God you are um, you know God's joy and, and that shouldn't be part of the Christian experience and unfortunately that can contribute to people feeling that they can't be open about how they feel, um, it can contribute to people feeling, Christians feeling guilty Um, feeling weak, feeling ashamed, and that's not appropriate. C.S. Lewis said, Mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is harder to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than my heart is broken. That being said, a lot of people have, particularly in recent years, been open about their own experiences, it is becoming more acceptable and I think that is a really good thing. You'll recognise some of these people here, uh, some of them familiar faces, some of them maybe not so familiar. A couple of Christians uh, from history thrown in as well. But clearly um, it is something I think that is increasingly talked about and people are increasingly open about, and that's got to be a good thing. I think a word on suicide is, is important as well. Suicide is usually the, result, usually the result of severe depression or severe mental illness. That being said, however, there are lots of other factors which um, play into the, the, the uh, issue of suicide. And you will probably be aware that within Northern Ireland in particular, there has been a, a really significant increase in the rates of suicide over the last 15 to 20 years. In fact, I was hearing on the radio the other day that since 1998, the number of people um, on an annual basis in Northern Ireland who have taken their own lives has doubled. And you may be aware that there's a lot of concern that many of these are young people, in particular parts of Belfast, but also in other parts around Northern Ireland, Craig Elvin, west of the Ban. Um, And I think that is a huge challenge. Help is available. There is a a suicide strategy that the uh, Department of Health and Social Services has in place, but it doesn't seem to be working. And it's a challenge not just to to the state, to the health services, to people like me, but I think it's also a challenge to the church. What do we have to say to, to some of these young people some of whom that perhaps haven't um, experienced uh, anything like this before, don't know what it is, um, don't know where to find help. But what do we have to say to them? Um, Some of them are searching for meaning, and surely that's where the church comes in to try to demonstrate that there is more to life than just living. Um, You may be aware that uh, There was a bus ad recently in London. I think the strap line on the bus ad, which was posted on behalf of, of, uh, I think it was a group who uh, would call themselves the New Atheists, Um, certainly a non-Christian group. There's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. At face value, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with that. But if you think about it a little more deeply, is that all that there is? for for people to stop worrying and enjoy their life? Is there not more to life than that? No wonder some people are searching for meaning, people outside the church, if uh, they don't seem to find anything being offered to them other than just living for the sake of living, uh, the pursuit of happiness, trying to to, to find meaning in in what perhaps doesn't have any meaning. And that's where I think the challenge is for the church. Again, let me emphasize that Christians are not immune from depression, and I think that's probably one of the most important things that I want to, to get across to everybody tonight. Um, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about depression, or doesn't use that term, obviously. It's, it's uh, more of a modern expression, a modern uh, phrase, a modern term. But it does describe many, many great uh, figures in the Bible who have experienced what seem to be deep, periods of dark depression and then again obviously there are many great christian men and women down the ages who have also experienced this luther used to refer to his episodes of anxiety and depression as the devil's bath Um, spurgeon said that his fits of depression well he said fits of depression come over the most of us cheerful as we may be we must at intervals be cast down The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. This from the Prince of Preachers, who reportedly sometimes had to take two or three months off at a time to recover from these fits of depression. Martin Luther's comment was that the content of my depressions are always the same. The loss of faith that God is good and that he is good to me. So there is nothing inconsistent with Christians experiencing depression. To return to the Bible theme. You can probably guess which of our great Bible characters this is. This is a picture of Elijah in the desert. Just very shortly after he had a fantastic victory by God's strength over the prophets of Baal. He was on the the mountaintop in a, a fantastic spiritual experience. He was then... Uh, threatened basically by Jezebel and he withdrew into the desert and asked God that he could die. What was God's response? Again, as you see in, in every place in the Bible where someone is struggling with this, you do not see judgment from God. He was attended by an angel who brought him food and water and told him to rest He rested and again the angel returned and brought him further food and told him that he needed to get his strength up for a journey that he had to make. So God's treatment of him was very tender, very caring, not judgmental at all. The Bible does have other things to say about this experience of of desolation, of despair. It's very difficult to know whether the experiences that, that some of these great biblical characters had were similar to or the same as what I'm talking about in terms of a, a clinical depression, but possibly some of them were. Certainly some of them seem to come very close to it. The Psalms are probably the single most rich place in the Bible to uh, see expressed some of these very uh, difficult feelings and, and uh, honest feelings Psalm 42 for instance David says my tears have been my food night and day while men say to me all day long where is your God these things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng why are you downcast O my soul why so disturbed within me Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was another uh, well-known preacher and a medical doctor, made it very clear in his book, Spiritual Depression, the fact that you are unhappy or troubled is no indication that you are not a Christian. Can we ask the question, then, is there something that we can learn from the experience of depression, particularly for the Christian? Is there something that um, can come out of it that can be good? Is that possible? I think it's a legitimate question to ask. It might be a very difficult question to ask if you're going through that, if you're experiencing this. But many people, many Christians, have wrestled with, why has God allowed this to happen? Um, just in the same way as, as Christians may wrestle with physical ill health. Why has God allowed that to happen? But um, I think it is important to recognize that that sometimes good can come from these dark, difficult experiences. Okay. Um, if we can then move on perhaps to a little bit more in terms of, of the medical treatment side of things what do you do do, how do you help somebody with depression that side of things Um, I think it's it's abundantly clear in the first instance that we have to acknowledge that there is no clear straightforward way of diagnosing depression, there's no blood test, there's no brain scan that can diagnose somebody um, and and can say that this is what somebody has, that's one of the reasons why it's complex, why it's difficult Um, but that is the case Now, before you say that that necessarily questions the validity of the idea that depression, severe depression, is an illness, um, remember that there are physical illnesses as well that aren't diagnosed on the basis of blood tests or scans, but are clinical diagnoses based on history alone. Migraine is one example of that. Um, Anybody who suffered migraine will know that it is a a very severe medical condition. Epilepsy, again, is usually just a clinical diagnosis made on the basis of of observed symptoms and signs. And that's really the same for depression. It is a syndrome that is um, defined in terms of its symptoms and the co-occurrence of certain symptoms. The core symptoms are, according to one definition, and this is only one definition, which is promoted by the World Health Organization, the core symptoms are pervasive, persistent, low mood, um, and that's often experienced as an emptiness, perhaps, rather than a sadness. Um, Tearfulness may or may may not be part of that. Um, A loss of interest, a loss of enjoyment, an inability to enjoy things that have previously been enjoyed, and increased tiredness and fatigability. Those are the core symptoms And if those are present, or at least two of those are present, together with at least two other symptoms as listed, then that's considered to be consistent with a a syndrome of clinical depression. The more symptoms that one has, the more severe those symptoms have are, then the more severe the the episode of depression can be. And as you can see, some of those are are experiences and symptoms that we, we, we thought about earlier. And I described what it might be like to experience depression. so in summary, when a doctor or somebody who's uh, wanting to diagnose depression from a medical background is, is considering this, they're looking for whether the symptoms are severe enough, whether they're significant, uh, whether there's the adequate duration, but by definition, fairly arbitrarily, this state of. of Of persistent low mood has to go on for at least a couple of weeks. They're also looking for impaired functioning, which is a very important indicator of the severity of depression. Some people with mild to moderate depression will be able to function albeit with difficulty, but be able to carry on most of their daily uh, routine, daily living. Uh, But others with severe depression will find it almost impossible to continue to do things. Um, And then obviously as well, you would want to exclude certain other causes that, that may be Um, affecting the the person's mental state such as alcohol or drugs in the first instance Um, what causes depression? personality is only one small part of the picture but uh, it's important to recognize that we all have different temperaments we all have different personalities and some of us because of the way God has made us will be more prone to depression than others. Clearly, there is a very strong genetic component in depression. Um, it is highly inherited. Um, if two twins uh, who have exactly the same genes, um, if one of them has depression, clinical depression, then there's a 50% chance that their identical twin will also suffer from that condition. Um, it does run in families. There's no question of that. Um, both clinical depression, major depression and also other types of depression as well such as bipolar disorder which I mentioned briefly earlier. So genetic factors are are hugely important but there are lots of other factors as well. Um, The brief answer to this this question which of these factors can be involved in depression is all of them can be involved. I suppose that feeds into what I was saying earlier about how it is an extremely complex and and, uh, multifaceted area to to look at both experiences from early life experiences in the here and now the experience of loss is a huge huge um, factor that can contribute to depression Um, but also spiritual problems can be a factor i think it has to be said um, further to what i said earlier that they're not by any means the most significant factor even for christians um, I think it would be true to say that, that spiritual factors are, are rarely, rarely a significant factor in a Christian experiencing depression. It's a very helpful book by a GP, Dr. John Lockley. He makes this point very forcibly when he says that uh, spiritual factors are actually much more commonly um, a factor in depression for non-Christians. Um, for Christians, It's usually the other way around that things operate. It is the depression that then has a severe effect on one's spiritual life. But spiritual factors, of course, have to be considered. Um, I'm not looking at you for any reason, Steve, when I I turn to overwork. But Christian pastors are certainly not immune from depression. Um, You will know that, Steve. Anyone who's ever been involved in ministry or in helping people with depression, we will know that sometimes, in fact, Christian leaders are acutely vulnerable to this. Maybe it's because of overwork. Maybe there are other reasons, but um, it is the case. Physical ill health can be another factor as well. So there are lots of, lots of uh, factors. And um, I think it is important to, to, to have a very holistic view of, of the area. In psychiatry, and remember, this is uh, a, a non-Christian... Um, as it were, uh, discipline. Um, we are very proud of taking a bio, biological, psychological, and social, or biopsychosocial, uh, perspective on mental health problems, including depression. I would add to that to take a spiritual perspective as well. But it is a, a an holistic area that, that all of these things need to be looked at. Okay, so. If we can turn to recovering from depression, um, I think that's an important message to get across as well, is that depression is something that can be overcome. It's something that can be uh, treated, It's something that, that sometimes resolves with time spontaneously. In fact, quite often, the passage of time will lead to a resolution of depression, particularly for less severe cases. Um, but support and understanding why that happens is extremely important. There is a role for counselling, and there is a role for churches to be involved in that. But I think it is important that anybody involved in that in church is aware that it is um, important not to overstep your own training and your own experience. Um, there are some very good Christian counselling uh, organisations locally and, and nationally, um, but it is important to be, to be aware in the church that that we maybe don't have all the skills to to do this holistic assessment that I was talking about. Uh, Exercise has a role. Um, There's no question about that. And for one, Professor Lewis Walpert, whom I mentioned earlier, said that for him, jogging was one way that helped him overcome his depression. Then there are specialist talking therapies, the most well-known of which is cognitive behaviour therapy, which can be extremely useful for people suffering from depression. Um, medication can have a role to play, as you would expect for something that can be um, a medical illness. Mental health services may also, in more severe cases, have a role to play. and um, As I said earlier, hospital admission might ultimately be, be necessary. But what do we do as, as members of a church uh, who are not involved in... in helping people in, in our day-to-day jobs with uh, depression what do we do I think the most important message is, is to be there for somebody who is experiencing depression not to be judgmental um, not to be too full-on perhaps but to just accept them for where they are and to be sensitive I was talking to a gentleman on Friday uh, a Christian man who's been suffering from depression really for many years Um, he tries to cover it up. In fact, it was 17 years, I think, before his in-laws were aware that he had depression. It was cloaked in the guise of physical health problems as well. And he still goes to church, but he finds it very difficult because there's one person in particular who he says wants to grab him and ask him all these questions. He used to be in in the police. He used to be an inspector. It's almost like he's being interrogated. And he can't cope with that. He's going to break down in tears. He just needs to get out of there. And and that's one of the reasons why he finds church so difficult. So you need to be extremely sensitive. You can encourage someone to try to attend to to normal, healthy things, like eating properly, sleeping properly. Um, You can encourage exercise if that's possible. Sometimes in severe cases, it won't be possible initially. And encourage people uh, who are experiencing depression to try to remain involved in life, not to withdraw um, to remove themselves from things like like church, things like normal uh, activities that they may get some enjoyment from Um, so those are some of the things that I would encourage all of us to do be aware of the risk of suicide and don't be afraid to ask about that if you're talking to somebody who is telling you about their depression. It is not going to make somebody more likely to harm themselves. Uh, but it may be a huge relief for them to be able to get that off their chest and to tell you that that's how they're feeling. Um, because as you can understand, a lot of people will find that difficult to, to explain, difficult to say, especially someone who, um, you know, has a lot objectively to live for. They will feel very guilty perhaps for feeling like that. But that's the reality. So please do, uh, do not be afraid to ask about that. And if somebody discloses that, then please do seek professional help for them um, as soon as possible. Encourage somebody to see their GP uh, or to, see, to seek help. And it might be possible, um, even for people who have difficulty accepting the way they feel uh, is being something that, that's, that's treatable or is an illness, it may be possible to get them to see their doctor for some other reason. If they're not sleeping properly at night and they may be persuaded to go and see their doctor about that um, or about something else so uh, but please whatever you do, and I know in Fitzroy or I hope in Fitzroy this is really not necessary, but please don't tell people who are suffering from severe depression to pull themselves together to pull their socks up to, to sort themselves out. Um, it's not like that being active and trying to schedule activity is a very useful and practical way for somebody who's experiencing depression to try to get some traction to get out of the the slough that that they're they're in Um, depressed people as it it says often give up activities that they've previously enjoyed and then clearly there's less possibility for enjoyment and for positive experiences Um, so that's important to do that Um, and daily planning of activities can be helpful as well some people find it useful to keep a mood diary, to keep a track of, of their mood and to keep a track of, of how things vary, to show that, that perhaps um, some things are, are, are helping. Cognitive behavior therapy, as I said, is also the mainstay of the talking treatments that are uh, effective for depression. Um, for those of you who don't know anything about cognitive behavior therapy, um, It's uh, recommended by the National Institute of Clinical Excellence for depression and for anxiety, which is often the bedfellow of depression. It's a one-to-one psychological therapy that will take place over maybe half a dozen, maybe more, up to 20 sessions, with a very practical focus, focusing not on the past, not on what your mother did to you, uh, not on your dreams, nothing like that, but on the here and now, on practicalities. So it's very different from traditional psychoanalysis or something of that ilk. Um, And it's acutely compatible with with Christian beliefs and Christian faith. In fact, one of the main proponents of cognitive behaviour therapy in the UK is a Christian psychiatrist who uh, has produced some very helpful materials um, and runs an excellent website, which I'll mention later, called Living Life to the Full, as you might expect from a Christian psychiatrist. But that's one that that, uh, is recommended both uh, in the NHS and in, in general. Uh, to people, uh, both for self help, if that's possible, and also as part of a package of, of uh, help from a therapist. Um, it's not suitable for everybody or for everyone, but it is extremely helpful for many. Um, in essence, it's, the theory behind it stems from the idea that the way we think and the thoughts that we have have a very powerful impact on how we are feeling. And you'll have experienced that yourself. Um, if you begin to think about things negatively, you'll notice that, that then you feel down about that as well, or you feel negative about that too. And what's happening in depression is that there tends to be uh, pervasive negative thinking patterns um, about oneself, about the world, and about the future. And these can be very, very difficult to get out of and cognitive behaviour therapy will help somebody who's thinking in those ways uh, to challenge those thoughts and to try to to look more objectively about what's happening um, and thereby to begin to try and change their thoughts with the understanding or the hope then that that will gradually begin to change the way they feel and it does work very effectively for some people sometimes it's possible to do experiments Thought experiments to try and work out whether your thoughts are accurate or whether they're um, they're 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 automatically generated and and unreasonable. Um, I mean, as as a simple example of that, somebody who's depressed maybe has been involved in organising some kind of get together. A friend came round to the house, a couple of friends, something like that. The depressed person, if Somebody then has, if their guest then has to leave or has to go home might automatically assume that they didn't enjoy themselves um, they didn't uh, want to be there and I'm really no good and, and it would spiral from there a cognitive behaviour therapist will get them to challenge those thoughts and to think, well listen, there could be other explanations for that um, very simple explanations, maybe they had something else to go to um, maybe they had uh, somebody else, some of their demands on their time Um, So it's important to to begin to try to to have more flexible thinking. Um, Medication then has a role. Um, I did mention earlier that that, that medication is important for some people. It is not by any means the answer for everybody. It does seem to be more effective for the more severe types of depression, as you might expect. Um, Some people will of course recover from depression even quite significant depression without medication Um, and medication will only help a certain number of people a certain proportion of people so it it is it is not by any means a panacea nor would you expect one uh, whenever depression is such a complicated multifactorial condition but it does have a place and I would encourage Uh, everybody to to take home a very strong message tonight that there is nothing incompatible with with being a Christian and with taking medication if that's been prescribed uh, for you by your doctor for depression or anxiety. Um, It is effective for many people and there's really no difference, in my view, between taking tablets, medication for anxiety or depression, particularly severe depression, than there is for taking tablets for your heart problem or uh, medication for your epilepsy. Um, John Piper, whom I mentioned earlier, or did I? Maybe I didn't. John Piper is a well-known Christian uh, author and pastor, and he would be very clear in his view that uh, medication is one of the ways in which God has ordained that uh, we can get help for things like, like depression, just as in exactly the same way as uh, you would accept help for a physical health problem. It um, should be mentioned as well that uh, antidepressants are come in various different types and flavors. Um, one person's antidepressant could be very different from another person's. Side effects are often a, a significant problem, and sometimes that's the most. Uh, important thing is finding a medication that somebody can tolerate without uh, feeling worse. It um, may interest you to know that St. John's wort, which many of us think of as being a, a fairly okay herbal uh, remedy for depression, acts actually acts in very much the same way as traditional antidepressants such as Prozac. Um, so there really isn't you know, such a huge difference sometimes between um, what we think of as natural remedies and what we think of as as, uh, as medical remedies. Um, it's true that your diet is also extremely important. Um, there's a lot of good evidence that uh, fatty oils from fish, fish oils, are extremely beneficial for mental health in general, but also for, for things like depression. So it, it just goes to underline, I think, that that our, our brains... Um, are part of our body, and our minds are to some extent the product uh, of, our, of our brains and brain function, and that that's as much a part of the body as, as anything else. Um, I want to just mention some resources that are available for, for people I've mentioned already, Living Life to the Full, which is this website um, that promotes the use of cognitive behavior therapy for people suffering from anxiety and depression. Um, It's entirely free to use, as is uh, one from an Australian university called Mood Gym. These are all available online and have helped many, many people cope with depression. Um, There's excellent information as well available from websites such as the Royal College of Psychiatrists website or patient.co.uk. Lots of good stuff on the internet. Um, The book I mentioned earlier by Dr. John Lockley uh, is the practical handbook for the depressed Christian. And it's actually a very, very uh, measured and practical way of, of, of trying to address uh, th- this issue for Christians. There's another book that I haven't read but is intriguing uh, by David Murray called Christians Get Depressed Too." It's only 100 pages long, I believe, and I think it's, it's probably something that uh, people who are experiencing depression could also manage uh, to, to read as well, even if they're uh, struggling with that. So there are lots of resources out there. Um, let me finally just say something to anybody who's, who's here tonight who is suffering from this and is wondering where to, where to turn for help, particularly if you haven't been able to share um, how you're feeling with, with somebody close to you or somebody uh, who can help you. Um, there are resources and, and places, telephone uh, helplines other places available where you can get confidential help and support. Lifeline is, is one of the ones that has been set up in the last few years by the health service and does actually a fantastic job. Um, it's a 24-hour, seven-days-a-week helpline for, for people who are feeling depressed or suicidal in particular. So it's a very helpful uh, source of, of support. But can I also say to anybody who's who's struggling with depression, let me just read the words of, of one uh, individual um, who suffered significant loss. Uh, I think the man called Gerald Sittner. I'm not entirely sure of his name, but uh, he's quoted one quote I came across from him. He's a Christian man who lost uh, members of his close family, including a young daughter in a car crash. And he described his own suffering and his own loss, uh, his own pain as a result of that. But let me finish with these words that he he writes, um, the sovereign God who is in control of everything, is the same God who has experienced the pain I live with every day. No matter how deep the pit into which I descend, I keep finding God there. He is not aloof from my suffering, but draws near to me when I suffer. He is vulnerable to pain, quick to shed tears, and acquainted with grief.